Welcome to The Fully Lived Life, a podcast for those who are longing to pursue the full life and want to break free from anything that holds them back. Listen in as two friends, a psychologist, Dr. Mary, and a life coach, Jillian, talk about life, love, and purpose through the lens of faith, science, psychology, and life experiences. Well, hello, Mary. Hello, Jillian. How is it going today? It's going really well. It's going really well. It's it's not been without a few weeks of some hard stuff, Ugh. but uh, I'm loving, uh, well, I'm loving how we are able to process with our listeners on Me too. our journey and the hard stuff that we're going through and you as well. I mean, this episode is going to be coming deep from your journey. Yep. Uh, I'm looking forward to it and I, and I want to thank you already in advance for your vulnerability as you oh, go through well, this. you know, I committed to that. Yeah, you sure <laughs> did. You sure did. So, so, so like overall, I'm doing really, really well because of that, that, that hope of seeing the other side of hard work. Yeah. And you know what I'm hearing? Um, I, I'm getting little messages from some of our podcast listeners and some other people in my life. And they are talking about the hardness of this particular season that we're in, Mm -hmm. but they're also speaking very hopefully. I love that. Because there is, I think when we have the ability to slow down and strip back, pare back all the stuff in our lives, Mm -hmm. it allows us to connect again with ourselves. Right. And so stuff is coming to the surface and I've heard from, you know, people close to me that there's been pain. Yeah. But... There's progress. Right. Love it. So going back to our previous, pain with a purpose, right? Pain with a purpose towards progression. Yes. So good. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Did you just say that? That's a tweetable. I just did. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Okay. So today uh, we're talking about what I call sacred wrestle. Mm. And I want to tell you, Mm. I Googled it. Yeah. And there is no such thing as sacred wrestle. So you are hearing it. First, from my lips to your ears. There you go. That's my term. I will trademark it later and pay me in jube jubes. <laughs> jube jubes, eh? <laughs> I don't know. Chocolate jube jubes. Yeah. So today, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm calling this the sacred wrestle. Mm. And today's episode actually came out of conversations that you and I were having, some other women were having. We were having it with our tribe of women that we mm-hmm. call. And, you know, Mary, you had pointed out that in order to enjoy the higher emotions, mm. we need to be able to feel the low emotions. Mm. Like yeah. seriously? Yeah. And even last week we talked about the term misery. Mm-hmm. Well, the opposite of misery is joy. Right. Right? Yeah. So we won't experience great happiness if we never feel great sadness. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. So I remember studying this when we did Freedom Session together mm-hmm. uh, about the importance of opening ourselves up to experiencing the tougher, darker emotions, because if we shut down from this, we also shut down our hearts completely to experiencing this full range of emotions, including the highs. Right. And guess what? I'd love to stay in the highs. Oh, totally. I'm with you on that. I really like the highs. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So uh, this conversation came about because I was uh, listening to some Enneagram teaching and it comes from the concepts and this is Enneagram language differentiating between the lower heart uh, and the lower heart emotions, which would be sort of the fit four basic emotions of anger, uh, uh, fear, sadness, grief and loss. 
So anger would be in the body. If yep. I just sort of, um, you know, talk about the, the nine types. Fear would be in our head. Yep. And sadness, or if we want to talk about it more, grief and loss would be in our heart. Okay. And then they add this last emotion, happiness. And this is contrasted with the higher heart or the true heart, which is deeply spiritual. And it's about connecting to higher level emotions like goodness, gratitude, forgiveness, and these really noble, higher level emotions. And what they, what I've heard and through this teaching is that um, these higher level emotions actually are not achievable if we haven't worked on our lower level emotions first and kind of integrate them into ourselves. Wow. Yeah. So you know, the pain with a purpose yeah. is if we can get in touch with those lower emotions, mm-hmm. we're opening ourselves up to experiencing the higher emotions. Right, right. Right. And so people of faith, when we talk about <clears throat> some of the fruits of the Spirit, yeah. um, how do we free ourselves to let the Holy Spirit um, express that in our lives if we haven't dealt with the blockages, which is unresolved, untapped, um, lower level emotions, which are human emotions. Like all of us yes. experience these emotions if we're really honest with ourselves. If we're really honest. And we tend to run away from it because it's painful. It's hard. Of course. Yeah. So... Pardon me. So this did lead to um, some conversations that are we really in touch with those innermost low emotions? Mm-hmm. And are we actually able to really name what those emotions are? Yeah. yeah. Because even um, in a conversation I was having with my husband the other day, and you know, my husband, he's very upbeat, he's very warm. Um, one of the things he said was the word misery. misery. Hmm. And I was like, I almost dropped my glasses. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. I said, misery. Mm-hmm. And he was getting in touch with kind of a lower emotion that he was ah, experiencing. Right. I'd never heard those words come out of his mouth before. Yeah. And I was like, wow, like for an Enneagram 9 to say that. Yeah. That's it's like huge. You're going somewhere. Yeah. Hang oh. on. Buckle up. Yeah. Buckle up. And and you get to go along with I know. the ride. So... Are we really able to name them? For instance, uh, we may feel very frustrated, but our actual emotion is profound sadness. Mm-hmm. So we're frustrated because of the things in our life not going the way we want. Yeah. And so instead of saying we're sad right. with deep sadness, we just say we're frustrated at kind of our circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um so this is a really deep place to go, and it feels better to stay in the land of frustration. Right. Because that seems a little bit more accessible and safe. Mm-hmm. But if we never acknowledge the deep sadness, we get stuck staying on the surface of the safe. Oh, stuck staying on the surface of the safe. Wow, that's tweetable. Oh, man, I do not want to stay stuck on the surface of the safe. No, because it's not going to get you anywhere. It's not going to get us anywhere. So going back to our previous um so here, here's an example. Going back to our previous episode, we talked about necessary endings yeah. and the stuckness of that. Yeah. yeah. Think of being stuck in a job where it's a paycheck to you that creates safety for you, but you are, in my husband's words, miserable. Yeah. Mm. So you're willing to stay mm-hmm. in the misery because it's safe? Right. Well, it's not even safe. It just feels safe. It's comfortable. We've gotten used to it. That's right. Yeah. And not saying it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so yeah. So staying on the surface of the, staying stuck on the surface of safe is not where we want to go. Right. 
So if this is zinging along with you, hang in with us mm-hmm. because there's so much more we want to talk about on this topic. Uh, today we're going to park on the deeply spiritual work of mining what's in our deepest heart and how that may draw us either closer to God or create a barrier. Oh, man. Uh, Jillian, I'm going to let you run with this um, because I know it's been some of the deepest work that you've been doing lately. And I, listeners, I know this is going to hit some of us hard, but I think it's so worth the work in our emotional, relational, and our spiritual health as well. And um, so for those of you who've been piqued by our introduction about how the Enneagram can help us, we're going to talk about this at greater depth in next week's episode. And we're going to talk about emotionally healthy processing from the nine types of the Enneagram. Right. Sounds good? Right. Okay. So in our conversation with other women, uh, I was saying that I'm often often involved in what I call the sacred wrestle. Yeah. Um, That there's something very deep in me going on that only I know about. Because maybe it doesn't feel safe for me to bring it to the surface mm. um, and tell others, or I'm still processing and I can't articulate it yet. Mm-hmm. And I understand that many of you will get that. Right. You know, you're you're in touch with something that's so deep inside you, and you can't even put the words around it because gotcha. it just kind of maybe it feels so foreign, right, or so scary mm-hmm. that to put words to it just is. Too much energy. Right. Um, I, I would add, though, as somebody who's observing you as you do this, wrestle, is that you have been showing up brave and you've shared with us that times when you go into your quiet reflection is sometimes just running away from being vulnerable with us. So right. I appreciate you doing that. So that's yeah. also a, a possibility that could be going on. Well, and the energy that, it t- okay, listeners, the energy that it takes for an eight to be vulnerable <laughs> is like... Off the chart. Uh-huh. So um, so if you have an eight in your life and they're being vulnerable, know that it's costing them a lot of energy. Yeah. And so they might not be able to give all the details to you in one sitting because that's just going to drain them. Right. And I've just learned to respect that because I, I trust you and I trust God working in you. You do always come back eventually and share with what, where you're at. Yeah. And it's just so beautiful. And I am actually, this is part of my growth. I'm actually able to tell my friends, I can't articulate it now. Mm-hmm. I'll circle back to this in a while with right, you. Right, right. Um, which is code for, give me space. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Give me space because it's too raw. And stop pushing me to tell everybody what's going yeah, on. pretty much. Yeah. Um, so this could feel very similar to what is called the dark night of the soul. And mm-hmm. quite frankly, um, in the Christian world, mm-hmm. the dark night of the soul is very well known in those in Catholic circles. Mm, tell us more. Well, uh, for I guess in the evangelical world, we don't really want to talk about the dark night of the soul. We want to stay on the surface well, we of safe. We want to stay in our intellect. We want to stay on the surface of safe. Yeah. Mm. But in the dark night of the soul, uh, there's a book, great book uh, by Thomas More um, about this. And this is what he says. Let me just read a quote. Our lives are filled with emotional tunnels. Just even the imagery around that mm-hmm. is powerful. Yeah. The loss of a loved one or the end of a relationship, aging and illness, 
career disappointments, or just an ongoing sense of disappointment with life. Yeah. And I would suggest that a lot of us are in that section right now, mm-hmm. an ongoing sense of disappointment with life Yeah. because of all the little things that are being pulled away from us right yeah. now. Society tends to view these dark nights in clinical terms as obstacles to overcome as quickly as possible, mm. right? Yeah. Just push through, just persevere, just buckle up, you know, this too shall pass, yeah. right? Suck it up, buttercup. Right. Yep. But more shows us how honoring these periods of fragility as Ooh. periods of incubation and positive opportunities to, to delve into the soul's deepest needs can provide healing and a new understanding of life's meaning. Wow. Oh, honoring these periods of fragility. Wow. And incubation. Yeah. You know, things get birthed after incubation. They do. Things come to life after incubation. Mm -hmm. The incubation period is a time of growth. Yeah, it is. It's kind of isolated growth, but it's growth. Mm -hmm. So I just camped on that phrase, those words for quite a while, because I thought, wow, this is actually where I'm at. And I'm sort of incubating. It's fragile. It feels really, feels really like icky. Messy. Messy. Sure. Yeah. So, Mary, you touched on this powerfully in your book, The Fully Lived Life. Um, So I'm going to ask you to read a couple of uh, paragraphs from your book. Um, And this is kind of from your chapter that says, Is My Life a Lie? Wait, I thought this episode was about you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I've written it already. Yeah, exactly. So clearly it's out there. So, uh... Okay. So if you have the book, The Fully Lived Life, this would be chapter 10. Um, And so Mary's just going to read a couple of paragraphs to us about her period of introspection. Yeah. Okay. Um, This is going to bring it back for sure. And you know what's interesting as I reread my words that I wrote years ago is how uh, I'm processing a lot of this again. Wow. But at a deeper level. So here I go. A few years ago, I was wrestling with shame, recognizing the patterns of falsehoods and masks I hid behind, even with my closest friends and family. Because of my deep fear of disappointing others and my lust for their approval, I struggled to be honest with them about my feelings, particularly my anger. Oh my goodness, why am I reading this? And I knew I would sometimes act out loving deeds without a genuine desire or motivation to love. I avoided conflict at all costs. And when I was hurt or angered, I would typically isolate myself to lick my wounds. Wow, it is so true. I had the respect of many, but I knew that much of their positive regard was built on the shaky foundations of my efforts. I knew I was all too often motivated by fear of disapproval rather than by godly love. And I recognize how often I chase the temporary high of the approval of others to avoid feeling the emptiness within me. This hunger for approval led to patterns of deception so subtle, I deceived even myself about it. (sighs) Wow. Man, uh, like, I'm living this out in my life yet again. Like I said, another layer of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I need to process this a little bit. Yes, I actually didn't look at this until you just asked me to. And I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I just, I want to go back to that 
by Moore. Mm-hmm. Our lives are filled with emotional tunnels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I think of a tunnel, let's just camp on that idea for a minute. Um, as a little kid, I loved going through the tunnel uh, from Canada to the States. Oh, yeah. We used to go through that quite often. And I used to love being in the tunnel uh, when, you know, it gets so dark, but I knew that the light was coming. Mm. I knew that it was only going to be a little period of time mm-hmm. to sort of like look around in the darkness because I knew that it was bright and shiny on the other side. Right. And, you know, I think the idea that we have these emotional tunnels mm-hmm. and we kind of go back to them every now and then right. and just because we've come out to the light of day in one period of time doesn't mean we're not going to go back there. Right. Yeah. We all have our default tunnels. We, we do. That's great. That That's exactly it. And I think uh, I would <clears throat> say that, like I said, God is taking me to a deeper level so that I'm not um, reacting and acting out some of the same behaviors. I'm much less controlled by my fear of other people's disapproval. Uh, but definitely this whole thing about getting in touch with my anger. Uh, and for me, and we'll talk about this some more in uh, the next week's episode on the Enneagram, as a two, being able to access my anger is really hard. And the thing that's so ironic is that other people experience it. I mean, I have my little flip out moments where I express my anger sometimes inappropriately, but that's because I have trouble accessing my anger. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really speaking to me. Yeah. So, you know, when I read those uh, paragraphs, um, these two paragraphs actually preclude you speaking about your period of burnout, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And you are so much healthier now than where you were when you wrote that. Um, do you think that when we access these deep, low emotions, that maybe we recognize what else is going on within us? Like, mm. does accessing the low emotions help us to feel the other things going on with this uh, within us that are keep we're trying to keep the lid on. Uh, yes. Um, you know, now, now that I'm sort of putting on my therapist hat, um, I will often tell people when they're going through a tough time is to give themselves lots of space to feel the bigness of their emotion. So instead of just saying, I'm angry, to be able to say, I am furious. I am ready to strangle. And just kind of by giving it big space, it allows all of the layers and the other emotions to begin to pop up because we give ourselves permission for sort of like the worst of it. Right. That then allows us to acknowledge all the other pieces of it. Right. Yeah. So I think in, you know, in this dark night of the soul idea, this sacred wrestle is when we start to feel some of those things um, that are really deep within us that kind of don't, they don't align with our outer selves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tendency is to run the other way. Yeah, it is. Like get get out of that, get out of the tunnel real fast, mm-hmm. right? But I think by staying in the tunnel, staying with it, um, knowing that being in the tunnel is going to show some crap. You know, tunnels are always filled with debris and ugly stuff. But show the crap and bring it to the light of day 
so that we recognize what's going on and we know that there is light coming. And I would add that staying in the tunnel is actually about moving forward to the light because I think a lot of our tendency is to go backwards into the old place of comfort. And so we get stuck in misery because we rehearse. So there are those of us who identify the emotion, but then we just kind of stay going over and over and rehearsing it in our mind and we're not moving forward. So remember pain is to move towards action and change ultimately. It isn't something that we just want to stay in. Right. For just the sake of staying in it. So I know for you, Mary, that you have referred to this place of shame many times in the podcast. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's a deep, low emotion. It's a pretty scary place to go. I think no one wants to go dip their toes in shame. Yeah. Um, can you comment on how going into that deep place of shame and honoring your soul's fragility at the time has led to healing and a new understanding for mm, you? Yeah. Oh, I, I love those words, honoring your soul's fragility. I mean, that's really sinking deep to me is that, you know, there's such a compassionate and tender tone to those words. It's, yeah. When you talk about your soul's fragility. And I think that's what ultimately uh, helped me come to a place of healing and understanding because uh, I was exposing my shame. I was able to bring out all the hidden parts of myself into the light and into the light of God's love. Uh, into the light of others who love me as well. And I was able to recognize uh, that underlying my shame actually is uh, immense pain. There's just mm. so much pain. It, it's shame uh, also has hidden me from facing lies that I've believed and just the deep, deep sadness that my soul was wrestling through. And so the only way I could really allow God's love and the love of others in my life to penetrate the walls around my heart to bring healing was to actually face my shame. It was finally when I was able to stop pretending, stop performing, stop trying to earn my place. And I think what it's done is it's freed me to be more and more my true self, which I'm coming to accept is kind of messy. I mean, it's it's broken, I'm human, but I'm so loved. I am loved. And yeah. that's like what my heart needs. And it's then freed me up to receive love so that I could also love others out of that overflow. Awesome. So there you go. Like accessing the deep mm-hmm. has allowed you to access the good. Right. And the lovely and the love. Yeah. I think of the movie Inside Out. Mm-hmm. It's a kid's movie, but it's really not a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. If you have not watched it, it is worth the time to watch this movie. Because when we talk about the fr- fragility of the soul, yeah, I think... One of the things that really gives a great visual is in this little girl's life, how fragile our souls really are Mm -hmm. and how much they need to be nurtured and cared for. Exactly. And we so quickly want to mask that with all the other things. Right. And when we really are able to go, my soul is a very fragile place. It's a very tender place. Mm -hmm. And it's the place where these deep things are kept. Right. And by honoring that, mm-hmm. um, I'm getting in touch with this piece of me that is really me. Yeah, yeah. Mm, I love that. This whole sacred wrestle, I, I love how you've paired those two words together. It's hard work, it's wrestling, but there's a sacredness about it as we work through the the hidden parts of our soul yeah. and move towards that higher level of, of uh, our heart 
that allows us to experience joy and goodness and generosity and all those great things that we long for. And I think that when we get to our next episode where we're talking about each of the Enneagram numbers and their kind of response, every Enneagram number and type has a sacred wrestle. Mm -hmm. There is a part of them that they're kind of hiding from the world. Right. And for whatever reason. So in my uh, Enneagram number, which is an eight, um, the picture, which is really, really, I mean, it's it's sacred to me Mm. and it's also very... Uh, challenging to me is uh, it's a picture of a heart mm-hmm. in a barbed wire cage. Mm. So that's the Enneagram Eight. We are very, very tender in, in t- internally, sure yeah. But we protect it with this kind of cage that you know is prickly. Mm-hmm. So it's getting to uh, the sacredness is getting to the heart. Yes, and getting through those layers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and stripping away the fear of being vulnerable. Right. So that's part of the sacred wrestle. So um, in my own experience right now, it's been a pretty dark walk lately with one of these low places. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's because I've had the extra time. And I think that one of the gifts out of COVID 2020 is that many of us will have the additional time, the additional margin in our life to sort of do this kind of work. Right. So if that's the beauty that comes out of 2020, well, God bless it, really. Right. But I I would also affirm that you're choosing this. Yes. You know, maybe (laughs) in the old days you would have run away from it. Uh, Yeah, but I would have covered it with busyness. You would have covered it with busyness, taking control. Yeah. uh, Bossing people around, whatever it is that you do. But like, you you know, thank you for your willingness to do this, because I know that we're going to benefit from the work that you've done. Yeah. So thank you for that. Um, so I've realized that part of my deep sadness is that I really want someone to have my back mm-hmm. and be my advocate yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, fight for me, advocate for me, take care of me and my needs. Wow. Like that is... That is something really deep within me. Uh-huh. Um, and when I've been asked in the past what my deepest longings were, I I really couldn't answer the question. Uh-huh. I would be struggling. I'm like, what are my deepest longings? Uh-huh. Like, what? I don't know. And then I kind of think, what's wrong with me that I can't get in touch with this inner longing within me? Well, the barbed um, wire. Exactly. Yeah. And it would really stump me when people ask me that. And in fact, as a coach... I do ask that mm-hmm. to my clients. Right. And because I really, really want to know. Mm-hmm. And because oftentimes when people get stuck in life, it's because there are deep longings that are not being addressed. Right. And they feel the sacred wrestle like, I want to get there, but I'm stuck here. Why am I stuck here? What's mm-hmm. going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and they try to do all the things, read all the books, get stuck in that movement phase. Right. But the action is actually to go deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna, um, you know, ask you, Jillian, to kind of camp a little bit more on it because I, I appreciate that you are wanting to uh, encourage our listeners to learn from you. But yeah. I know you're still in the midst of 
of surfacing all this. You know, this this thing about really wanting someone to have your back and yeah. advocate for you and take care of you and your needs. Like that, that draws sadness in my soul as I listen to you. Mm-hmm. Because people look at you and see this strong, confident, take charge woman. And to hear that the longing is for someone to have your back and to protect you and advocate for you and take care of you. I mean, wow, that, that, that hurts me to hear that. But I also thank you for the courage to say that. So can I ask you to kind of camp on that a little bit more, share a bit more of what's going on inside of you? Yeah, I think that um, this is, this came out of our conversation about the over-responsibility. Yeah. Uh, so that started this whole journey. Mm-hmm. So I was really thinking, where am I over-responsible? Mm-hmm. And I started sort of listing things off in my mind. Mm-hmm. And then I started to get really, really sad. Mm. So I think, I'm doing all this yeah, thinking that I'm doing it for others. Right. But really, this is what I want. Yeah. Like, this is the stuff that this is I your want. Longing. Mm-hmm. And so that it struck me like a ton of bricks that you're operating out of your deepest longing and you have been basically like shut off. Ignoring them. Shut off from it. Yeah. And so I was really overcome with sadness. Mm. Um, And I had to go for a big long walk with my dog Mm -hmm. and sort of process those thoughts because I just needed to be alone with my thoughts for a bit. I'm sure many of our listeners can relate to that, especially Mm -hmm. in this time when we're always around our household, Mm -hmm. uh, getting you know, getting away and thinking is a really good thing. So, And I would add, and feeling. I know you were deeply feeling it. Oh, yeah, I was feeling it. Yeah. I was really feeling it. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to get sad, which which wasn't helping because I was, but I was allowing myself to... I, I, I think it was helping. I, I cried through that. a lot of the walk, right? right? Yeah. Um, because I thought, I'm feeling really, really sad. Yeah. And I was feeling sad for myself. I was feeling, feeling sad for lost time mm. of not being awake to this yeah. in myself. Yeah. I was feeling sad for my lack of vulnerability, but mm. not shaming myself. Mm-hmm. Like, boy, this has been a deep longing for a very, very long time since yeah. I was probably a little girl. Yeah. And um and not with blame or any of that stuff, but just being able to not articulate it. Yeah. Left me feeling very raw. Yeah. That's what I can say. Mm-hmm. And as you can tell, I'm still in the midst of it. Yeah. Like I'm nowhere near on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of the words that were coming to my mind, I was like, well, what does it feel like to be taken care of, advocated for, fought for, yeah. cherished, all those words. Yeah. And the words that were coming to my mind were things like safe, mm. protected, yeah, cherished, mm. Understood. And I think one of the big um, the big loogies, if I can call it that, for an Enneagram 8 woman is this idea of being misunderstood. Yeah. And I remember listening to Joe Saxton one day on a podcast about she's an Enneagram 8. And I remember that resonating with me in a very deep place because... I believe that most of my life, mm-hmm. I've felt misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this idea of being advocated for and fought for and protected is somebody who 
understands me mm-hmm. and gets me mm-hmm. and kind of knows what I need. Mm-hmm. So I and I also started to get a little sad because all the things that I want are the things that I do for others. Right. And so then it got me thinking, is this is this line does this line up? Yeah. Like and I asked you the question I said, does our deepest longing get lived out? And how we show up for others. Mm-hmm. And your response was, hmm. <laughs> Meaning, it's your journey to process. I know. Yeah. I wanted a quick answer, but there wasn't one. No, exactly. And that's the thing with these wrestles is that it's it's like being able to stay in it. Yeah. Uh, and being able to 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 come out at the other side of the tunnel. Um, I would add, as I'm listening to you, first of all, thank you for your vulnerability and being able to, I mean, I can picture you walking with Freddie and crying and I can picture you as a little girl. We've heard parts of your story where you felt uh, often uh, attacked by your grandmother and just that deep, deep longing to be protected. Right. And out of the reality of your immigrant family, there just wasn't the space for that to happen. So you, you developed strength in protecting yourself and others, but to, uh, uh, like to a point of holding yourself back. And if we look at this from an Enneagram, um, you know, people who are eight, your, uh, and this gets into a little deeper level of the Enneagram, but your line uh, is to the two going backwards. Right. And the Enneagram language talks about that backwards line as your soul child. And that means that somehow in your journey, uh, early on, there were some some work that never got finished. So there's unfinished business in your life. And if you think about the longings for a two, it is actually to be loved and right. cared for and seen and protected and all those great things. So you going, doing this work is actually a huge step of growth for you. Yeah. And I mean, all of us have, and I'm not minimizing my own experience, all of us have inner longings and maybe I'm late to the game by even being able to articulate them. But I'm I'm hoping by sharing this that for some of you who felt like me that you just didn't know what these were, there's hope for you to get there. Yeah. And it's gonna take courage. Yeah. Because it's not the place you wanna be. Like, believe me, I wanted it to be a one and done box. Yeah. Uh, and it's not gonna be for quite a while. Um, but I I did, you know, wonder. And I'm wondering this for you too, um, because I think the crux of what I'm going through might be really helpful in our next episode when we're talking about our low emotions and our high emotions. Um, And we're going to talk about sort of the exercise that goes along with this later. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the low of each Enneagram number will lead to the redemptive high of that number. Oh, I love that. So me doing this deep work right now with these longings is going to lead to a redemptive process. I'm, I know it. Yeah. I do know it. Yeah. Um, so thank you for sort of hanging in there with me. And as you can tell, I am still in the processing phase. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will be for quite a while. Yeah. So in these next, in this episode and um, the next episode, we're going to talk about the low emotion of each Enneagram number. And what the accompanying high emotion might be, because we really want to get to the high. Right. <laughs> like, I'm going to run to the high. Right. Um, and get there, but without getting 
we need to get to the low. Mm -hmm. So let's just be honest here with ourselves and each other. This is going to hurt a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I know that in both our experiences, the lows expose us to ourselves if we allow it. Mm -hmm. And then we can kind of get things settled. And the sacred wrestle becomes so worth it because the other side, the high side, is so dang good. It sure is. Like, the sacred wrestle is there, this dark night of the soul is there so that we can get to the light of day. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes, remember, yes, we, yes. remember we said, we said, we're all just walking each other home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So by me sharing these dark nights, I'm hoping that some of you will not feel so isolated. Yeah. That it's okay to have a, like, especially as a Christian, mm-hmm. it is okay to have a dark night of the soul. Yeah. And it's going to last for how long it lasts. Mm-hmm. And doing the work is a sacred place. Yes. It is sacred. It is. Because you are dealing with the fragility of your soul. Yeah. And nurturing it. And that's a good place to be. Mm-hmm. Amen. So in a little powerful book that I'm reading right now uh, by Dr. Larry Crabb, he writes this. He's talking about the Israelites wandering in the low tunnel in the wilderness and trusting in God. He says, your love becomes trust Only when you choose to believe that I brought you out of something bad, which was their slavery in Egypt, to bring you into something good before you experience the good, which Mm, is the promised land. Yes. So as we begin, we can just say to ourselves, and hey, this is me included right now, because something big is being mined in my depths that is quite quite painful, and I'm really clinging to the trust that it's good before I experience the good. Right. So I can't see the good in it right now, mm-hmm. but I trust in the good of it. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to our previous episode, right? Mm-hmm. right? That when we're doing the work and we're feeling the pain, there is good that's going to come out of it. Right. It's pain with a purpose. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. So now what? So what? Let's uh, share some of the, the therapeutic principles. Yeah. Um. So I would say that like this is such a critical part of your journey that don't rush through it. And uh, I'm going to give you a few things to think about. But like really I want to ensure that you are safe. So, so really you are listening into a counseling session yes, right now. It kind of is. <laughs> um you know, as Jillian has unpacked it, and she's been doing this, she's doing this uh, to, for all of you, but she's doing it also in my presence. So you want to do it with a trusted person that you can be vulnerable with, whether it's a friend or a, if not a friend, then maybe a therapist or a coach or pastor. So first of all, just make sure you're doing it with somebody safe. Don't do it alone. And if you are a Christian, invite Jesus into those dark emotions. Um, the other thing I would say, which is going to maybe feel or sound a little bit weird, um, is to invite your little girl self or your little boy self to join you and ask her or him what she wants or what he wants. Like, what do you long for? And it's okay if you don't have an answer to it, but what you're doing is you're creating vulnerability in your experience by inviting your little girl. And it will hopefully allow you to feel more compassion for yourself. Mm. And then as you're doing this, you know, process it through some journaling. Or if you're not a writer, um, pick a song that kind of speaks to you or a piece of art or, or whatever it is that allows you to kind of feel 
those emotions. And it doesn't have to be big because if this is new for you and you're just tapping into a little bit, that's okay. It's baby steps. And just notice what comes up for you without judgment. This isn't about trying to sort out the facts of what happened to you or to explain logically your emotions. This is about trying to bring to the surface some of these felt experiences that have been lurking in the deeper parts of your heart. And so I say this knowing that this is going to be ongoing journey for you. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you know, just keep tracking through the tunnel. It's so worth it on the other side. Well, and unfortunately, I mean, I have you as my friend. Yes. <laughs> so and I have others. I have other women around me. But uh, I want to be honest with you, listeners. I mean, now that it's out in the open, uh, I have only chosen this to share with a few people mm-hmm. because it's too much for me to explain it. Yeah. So now that you all know, um, but... It's been so hard to explain it, and I'm. I just did the surface level of it today, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but just know that having someone close to you that you can really go deep with is such a gift. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of you long for that. Yeah. And and it's it's possible. Right. And if it does take time, though. Right. And like I said, if you don't have an immediate friend who comes to mind because you really want to ensure safety, you don't want anyone who's going to shut you down or try to cheer you up too quickly. uh, If that means that you see a therapist or a coach or you see your pastor, that is totally okay. Uh, Your soul is worth this work that you're going to do. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. So what about the life coaching? Yeah. So the life coaching thing, um, and this is really good. This is the exercise I actually did for myself. So the question is, what do you offer others? Hmm. Yes. In what ways do you give, support, help, give life to others? So if you respond with something like on the surface, like, well, I take care of their needs. I don't want you to stay there. That's mm-hmm. the surface stuff, mm. <laughs> right? I want you to drill down to the deeper part of that. I would say that the deeper part of that is I help others by ensuring their physical needs are met so that they feel safe and valued. And then I would choose those two words, safe and valued. Mm, Yeah. Whatever is the deeper part of what you respond, I want you to ask the question, is this my deepest longing? Uh, Example, to feel safe and valued. Mm, That's great. So again, what are you giving to others? Mm -hmm. Um. Is that a reflection of your deepest longings that are being unmet? Right. Oh, that's great. And, you know, listeners, I want to be really careful. Like, my, I have lots of loving people around in me, in my life, in my family, but they don't necessarily always know the deep part of me. Right. Right, that most intimate part, unless I share it. Right. And so sometimes by having people around you that you can process this with, allows you then to bring voice to your inner longings mm-hmm. once you've had the ability to process it too. Mm-hmm. So it's not to shame that your needs are not being met by your husband or your loved ones. It's to go, wow, I didn't even know that this was a need. That's right. Yeah. And if you don't know it's a need, you can't ask for that need to be That's met. That's right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jillian. That was so powerful. And thank you listeners for hanging in. Um, I know we went deep with this one. Uh, I think it's such important uh, soul deep work, acknowledging the fragility of your soul and and mining it out for what God wants to teach you and bring you to on the other side of this tunnel. I will put the links to both those books in uh, the show notes so you can check them out if you so desire. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks, listeners. 
Thanks for listening to the Fully Lived Life podcast. We hope you found it encouraging and helpful. Be sure to follow or subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. And if you enjoyed our show, please help spread the word by sharing with your friends and family and posting on your social media. Thanks for listening and tune in to our next episode.